0: our second week looking at this particular passage starting at verse 1 Paul came to Derbe and then to Lystra where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer but whose father was a Greek the believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Vithnia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God has called us to preach the gospel to them. Let's pray together as we begin. Lord, we know that we are not just reading any particular section of literature, but this is your word inspired by your spirit, given to us to instruct us, to encourage us, and to correct us that we may walk in righteousness and the life that Christ died to purchase for us. So speak to us now, we pray in his mighty name. Amen. Well, we're looking at this particular text, and once again, we're thankful for the freedom that God has given to us to open up the text and, and dig it, into it together. The historical context of this passage is that Paul and Silas are now entering into the second missionary journey in the book of Acts, and so the gospel continues to go forth into the ends of the earth. Paul's no longer with Barnabas, as it was in the case of the first missionary journey, but now has Silas going along with him. We also know that when they go into the second missionary journey, they're not going into brand new territory to start off, but rather going back into the regions of Galatia that Paul and Barnabas had previously gone through in their first missionary journey in order to encourage them to continue to keep walking in the faith. And so last week as we began chapter 16, we looked at the beginning of this journey. They arrive in Lystra and Derbe where they meet a man named Timothy who is young at this point, perhaps 16 years old. He's a great example of the faith, and Paul joins, asks Timothy to join them in the mission. And so last week we looked about the reality of how spiritual maturity has nothing to do with our age. It doesn't matter if we're young or old, and also the reality of us being called to be an example of faith to one another and how every congregation needs that. How our congregation needs that. And so we looked at that in great detail. Now this morning we're continuing on. The next verse that would naturally be spoken of is in verse 3, which is a striking verse. Before Paul takes Timothy on this journey, first something must take place. And so they circumcise him. I'd like to remind you that Timothy is 16 years old. This is a striking reality, especially since circumcision had been ruled out as being an essential truth of the gospel. And so Paul says, Good news, Timothy. You're a wonderful example of the faith. You're going to come along and proclaim the gospel with us to the ends of the earth. But before we go any further, we gotta circumcise you. Now, much to your relief, I'm not going to go into that this morning. We We have a meal later on this afternoon that we all want to enjoy. So we're not going to be thinking about that. But next week, we're going to come back to it, because there's an important truth that we see being displayed here, and also later on in the text, regarding mission that we should learn from. And so we'll come back to that next week. So we're going to skip over verse 3, skip over the circumcision, and go on to verses 4 and 5 for this morning. After Timothy is circumcised, this trio now, Paul, Silas, and young Timothy, go into the regions that Paul and Barnabas had already been to, and it says they passed on the teaching that was given by the elders in Jerusalem. Once again, they were informing them of what does the gospel mean, what does the law mean, how do they relate to each other, we can't get that confused. How was somebody justified? Is it by keeping the law? No. And so they went around and continued to report and teach to make sure there was a proper understanding of that. We spent the entire summer looking at that ourselves. But then after, we see in verse 5 a summary statement about the results of the mission that Paul, Silas, and Timothy had in these regions. It says, so the church was strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Now, it's important that we do not misread the summary sentence. We we can't forget that this particular section is a praise item report that Luke is noting. It's not just, well, the church was strengthened, carry on. No, the church grew. As a result of Paul and Silas and Timothy going and continuing to invest and minister to them, the result was they began to bear fruit in their own lives and, numerically, they grew as a church. And so that is exciting. That's the very reason Paul went there in the first place and didn't go into new territory. And it's also exciting because that's God's purpose and desire for the church. That we grow in discipleship and that we grow numerically as we continue to make new disciples. So it's exciting. It's a great report for them to send back to Antioch, the church that had commissioned them. This is what's happened. We've gone through these regions. You're praying for us. You're supporting us. Here's what God is doing. And lately, I've been encouraged to read our own missionary reports from Bruno and Kathleen and Susie about what's taking place in Latin America. You're praying for us, you're supporting us, and here's what God is doing. People are growing in the faith, and numerically, the kingdom of God is growing. And that's exciting. I'm excited by that. But then, as we begin to think about how God is building his kingdom and we see numerical growth and spiritual growth, sometimes... Pessimistic conversations follow. And what I mean by this is let me give you an example of some of the conversations I've had lately with people. Not in this particular church, but with people. Well, pastor, we see the church growing spiritually in Acts and the church growing numerically, and we see it in other parts of the world, but why is it not happening here in Canada? For instance, you know, Canada apparently it was a Christian nation at one time, but now the discussion is, how long is the church going to stay open before it closes? How many more years do we have left before the doors just close? The fastest growing religion in Canada is Islam. Did you know that? The fastest growing church in Ottawa is the church of Satan. Did you know that? So people look and say, so why do we see these great things happening in the book of Acts? people growing spiritually, lives being changed, and them going out and making disciples, and we look around in our own midst, and we wonder, why is it a foreign reality at times? Why don't we see it? Why don't we see people in our town coming to Christ, trusting in Christ? And so, clearly, I've been surrounded by some very optimistic people lately. But it's a question people are asking. Maybe it's a question that you've asked. So how do we respond to that kind of talk biblically? Well, the first thing is God has promised in his word from the very moment that he gave the covenant blessing to Abraham that all the nations of the earth will be blessed through Christ. That includes Canada. That includes Canada. God has a will to seek and save Canadians. And there's no educational system. There's no prime minister. There's no one who can ever stop the king of kings from bringing his kingdom onto our nation. Period. That's the word of God. His kingdom on earth as is in heaven. Good news, Canadians. It's come to Canada. And so sometimes we just lose sight of the fact that's God's promise. His word says that. He is doing that. And we we lose sight of the sovereign hand of God that is already at work in our nation. But there's something else, though, that biblically we should address. Because there is a biblical reason of why sometimes churches do not grow spiritually amongst themselves or make disciples and grow in America. There is a very important reason and warning given in the scriptures that we should pay attention to. And notice how the growth here took place. It wasn't just that Paul showed up and Silas showed up and Timothy showed up and boom, 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 fruit, fruit, fruit. In fact, they gathered together on a Sunday morning and came and went through and sang songs and did all those things. It didn't just happen. Something had to take place for them to grow in the life that Christ calls them to have and to become fruitful in missions. And it says they were strengthened. If we're going to grow spiritually and taste the life that Christ has for us, if we're going to go out into our community and make disciples and see people come to trust in the living Christ, we have to be strengthened for the task. Empowered to do it. And so, important lesson to know. Sometimes, the reason why we do not see people growing spiritually or the church growing numerically is because the church is not walking in the power and the strength that God has given to them to do it. And say that again, that's an important lesson. Sometimes churches are not growing spiritually, you're not seeing fruit, you're not seeing change, you're not seeing transformation, you're not seeing new believers, because they are not walking or being strengthened the way the scriptures call them to be. So that's an important lesson. So this morning, it would be good for us to remind ourselves biblically of how we are strengthened lest we be one of those churches that just come together and get around but don't grow spiritually and don't do anything in our community because we're not walking in the strength that we need. So this morning we're going to look at some things in the Word of God which calls us to be strengthened and how we are strengthened. Nothing this morning is going to be new. We're going to go over the basics of the strengthening of the church and the growth of the church. And I was at a conference last may, for pastors, called basics. You know, the things we're going to talk about this morning, we've heard them before, but if you're like me, we need to be reminded of them because they're easy to lose sight of and to forget. And so the first thing that we must grasp from the Word of God, if we're going to grow spiritually as a church, if we're going to go out and make disciples, is we have to right away acknowledge our right source of power. We have to understand what the power that we need is. So, first of all, the negative. The scriptures say if you want to follow Christ, if you want to live out the new life that is outlined in the Word of God for the church, you cannot do it on your own strength. You know, if you watch the Disney Channel or the Hallmark Channel, than know they're making a Hallmark movie in town on Tuesday. If you want to be an extra, you can join me. The point is, often you hear things like this, and you hear it in an educational system. Maybe you've said it before. Well, if you put your mind to it, or you believe you can do it, just look within, and the strength is there. You've got everything you need. You want to be this when up? You can do anything you want to do. Ever heard that before? It's the popular ideology of, of North America in this time. Believe in yourself. Well, Jesus shows up on the scene and pretty much crushes that to pieces. He's not after seeker-sensitive movement. He just says, if you want to follow me, if you want to live the life I've called you to live, if you want to become fruitful, and taste the freedom I've won for you. If you want to go out and make disciples and see this world be changed, you can't do a single thing. Well, thank you, Jesus. Motivational speaker or not, you can't do a thing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So the good news is, he doesn't just leave us with a hopeless state if you can't do anything. But then he says, the source of power that you do need, that I'm going to give to you as a gift, is I will give you the Spirit of God to come and dwell in you when you believe. And that Spirit is going to be the power up from on high that you need to follow my teaching and to go out and make disciples. In 2 Peter 1, verse 3, it says, This divine power gives us everything we need for life and godliness. So if you're a believer, if you've been saved, Christ has given you the strength and power. This morning, as we gather, let's do not forget the fact that the Spirit of God, who hovered over the waters at creation, who raised our Lord from the dead, dwells in us. Right now, the Spirit of God is with us, and He is the power that we need to change. He's the power we need for addictions to break, for lives to be healed, for transformation to take place, for families to come to know Christ. He's the power, and he's already here. But that being said, how many times, if you're like me, do we go around in our Christian life and say, well, I've got to do this, I gotta be better, I gotta be stronger, I gotta, I gotta fix this. No, you can't do a single thing. it'll be fruitless every time. The Spirit of God has come to be the strength that you need. You know the amazing part of this? is When God gives you His Spirit, He doesn't give you just portions. He gives you all. Every part of the Spirit of Christ is with us. To never leave or forsake us. Meaning, we don't have to get up in the morning and say, God, will you give me the power for this day? He will say, I did. What did Paul pray? What did we read earlier? Not that give me the strength, but that our eyes of our hearts would be enlightened to see the incomparable power that is already there. And so it would be good if we are awakened to that reality. Lest we try on our own strength and be fruitless. We need the Spirit of God. But like all gifts, you can use a gift, you cannot use a gift. And the same is the truth of the Spirit. You can grieve the Spirit. The Spirit's been given to you to be that power from on high, but you can continue to say, no, I'm not going to depend on you, I'm not going to walk with you, I'm not going to walk into this life, I'm going to continue to chase my own selfish will. And you grieve it. So what's the important lesson from this particular point? If we are going to see fruitfulness in our life, in missions, the very first thing that we have to understand is we need the Spirit of God dwelling in us, empowering us. Not just on a Sunday morning. Not just on a Tuesday night Bible study, but every day that we have breath. What do you do on a Monday morning when you wake up and you're going to work? How are you going to be an example of Christ to your workplace? Do you shut off Christianity because it's not a Christian workplace? The only way you're going to be an effective witness in that place and stand your ground and walk in fruitfulness is if the Spirit of God is empowering you to do so. The hymn, I need thee every hour, should be I need thee every minute. Because we need Christ. And so we must depend on the right source. And so church, I encourage us to do that. Daily to pray for the Spirit's empowering and help. That being said, there's something else that we have to understand in order for us to be strengthened, for us to grow. As the Spirit of God has given us to be the power, but we are called in Philippians two eleven to twelve to work out our salvation see, works do not save us. The work of Christ saves us. But we are called to taste that newness of life, to see the mission of God go forth in a fruitful way by doing particular works the Spirit uses to change us. Now, I've said before that the Christian life, discipleship, is kind of like driving a car gasoline is the power you need for the car to run but just because you get in a car that's full of gas doesn't mean you automatically begin to move the Bible says that we have to do certain things to taste and experience that power for it to be released in us that we may be fruitful not only in our own lives but in missions and so we need to be people who work so what is those works that we must do? We've talked about them time and time again. The things that we are called to train ourselves to be godly in. Prayer, spiritual gifts, meeting together to come and encourage one another in the faith. As we talked about with the children. The singing of the songs of the faith, the communion, the baptism. These are just a few. But there's one work which is above them all. There's one thing that we are called to do with the Church of Christ that is above prayer, that is above singing songs, that is above coming together and gathering as the people of God. And you're saying, well, what is that? Well, the answer is the studying and learning of the Word of God, the Scriptures. Man shall not live unbred alone, but everywhere that comes from the mouth of God. One of the things that we must do as the people of God in order to become fruitful, not only in our own life, but in missions, is that we must be exposed to studying the Word of God and letting the Spirit who has inspired the Scriptures teach us and lead us into the newness of life. Why is it so important the Word of God comes first? Because the Word of God teaches us how to pray. The Word of God shows us what we're to do when we get together. The Word of God shows us what it means to truly take communion in a worthy manner. And what it means not to take in a worthy manner. And here's the issue. A lot of the churches in Canada are not growing spiritually in terms of their own life or in missions because in our nation there is a great lack in understanding of the word of god i i remember talking to a, a man who worked with a hockey camp in this past may he walked into a hockey locker room with 16 17 year old boys and he was a, a ministry he was a missionary he was working with them sharing the gospel he was allowed in and he said i want to tell you a story today about king David." Not one of them knew who King David was. There is a hunger for God's word in our nation. Not just out there, but in our churches. Jesus said, let my words abide in you. And you will bear fruit. If we don't know the word of God, if we're not in the word of God, letting God's spirit lead us and guide us and teach us, why in the world do we expect fruit? Why would we expect change? And Jesus has said, you need to renew your mind with my word. So if we're going to be strong, church, if we're gonna be fruitful, not only do we have to get our power source right, but we have to get our works and our discipline right. And above them all, we need to be in the scriptures. So what's your Bible timeline? Practically. What is your involvement in the Word of God? Have you have you read through the counsel of God? This is given to us to encourage, instruct, lead us into truth. It is the word of God. And I say it every Sunday that we have to be in the word of God, studying the word of God for fruit. And I know it sounds like getting a little repetitive, but I'm encouraged by the fact that Jesus was repetitive. Because it's a lesson that I need to learn myself still. So I challenge us Not just with the messages, not just with our Bible studies, but in our own lives. Continue to be in the Word of God, letting the Spirit teach us. And there's commentaries with great teachers who can come alongside and help you in your studies. But this is an important work that we must do in order for the health of our church and for being missional. So that's the second thing. We must work out our salvation. The next thing about us being strengthened and growing is this is one thing the scriptures teach about how God strengthens and grows us and makes us fruitful and it's one thing that in Canada North America we don't like to hear God is ordained to use suffering in our lives to strengthen us who likes suffering here? trials? yay! bring it on! well if you're a Leaf fan you've suffered for years but the point is seriously we don't tend to say yes, bring on this particular trap we like comfort we like our schedules not being disturbed we like our families not having any conflict and we like all these particular things we just like everything to be in order so that we have control of it well the good news is Oh, well, it's not good news, sorry. The bad news is, that's never going to happen. Because God has said, when it comes to his people, in James and 1 Peter, I have ordained and allowed suffering and trials to come into your life for the purpose of refining your faith and letting you grow in your knowledge of me. And that's why James says, count it all joy when trials come. Because this is an opportunity for us to be strengthened and be fruitful and grow. So, Elgin Street Baptist, if we are praying as we head into this fall season, strengthen us, equip us, make us fruitful in mission, guess what's coming? At some point or another in our lives, we can expect in this fallen world to see child questions how are we going to respond to them? are we going to say well enough of this i've had enough to stop god or we could say okay lord you have allowed this it's a fallen world that's why the trials are coming but you've allowed this for a reason to grow and shape me and change me and make me new and it'd be really good if the church would wake up and realize that rather than shaking their fists at the one who's trying to set them free I said it with myself. Because how many times have I sat and said, Lord, this is just way too much. I don't like this. This is too tough. Ministry stinks. Can you send someone else, whatever it may be? And every single time, God, by his suffering grace and loving grace, is saying, I can use this to change you, to make you stronger. To grow, that you may come out on the other side, and you may see that even though the enemy meant this for evil, God uses all things and works them out for good for all those who love Him. So, some of you this morning are probably going through trials. Maybe as you were singing "How Great Is Our God," you're struggling to sing that because all you've seen is pain and brokenness and heartache, and you feel overwhelmed. Here's the Word of God speaking to you this morning: those trials are not pointless. Those circumstances have a divine weight and and glorious purpose for them. So if we're going to grow, if we're going to be strong, may God give us the grace to recognize that this is a way in which we do it. You know, here in this church of Acts, one of the things that's not mentioned here, but we know from previous accounts, is they experience lots of persecution These are the regions where Paul went to and he was almost stoned to death and and flogged and, and sent out of the city and here these churches are. You think they're not experiencing that? But God is using those situations to grow them and shape them. That's why the prosperity gospel is such a right word. Awful presentation of the gospel. There's people who are going into church and saying, God's going to give me a raise. God's going to do this. God's going to do that. And when the world falls apart, God's not on their side. But the beauty of the gospel is God works through the brokenness and the pain. And he transforms you so that even those who go through the worst of the worst come out and say even when my world was falling apart and I had nothing even when that cancer came even when I lost my child even when that particular accident happened whatever it may be God was there and by his grace even though it was painful he used it to make me new and he set me free that is the beauty of from death to life from ashes to joy in church we need to count it joy when it comes So we're going to be challenged. We need to get the right source. We need to be working out we need to being disciplined. We need to be in the word of God above everything. But we also need to recognize that when trials come, God is not against us, but he's going to use those to change us. The next thing we see in the word of God in terms of us being strengthened and growing is here's something that must take place in our life. Our knowledge of God and God's word has to govern our feelings. We are very feely people in Kent. I feel this. And so sometimes people will say stuff like this. I don't, I don't feel God, Pastor. I just don't feel Him anymore. So I'm just prone to stop or stop working out the disciplines and I'm prone to stop seeing the good in this child because I just don't feel Him with me. People have stopped coming to church before because they just don't feel, they just don't feel. And feeling often takes way too much priority in our walk with God. And so it leads to complacency and laziness and stopping and wandering and going to different paths rather than the path that God has called us to walk. You know the worst thing a worship leader or a pastor can ask a congregation when we get together on a Sunday morning? How do you feel, church? I uh, I feel awful. A really bad week. Uh, the parking out there is atrocious. Um, I had to fight my wife before we came to work. The kids aren't seeming to listen to us. Everything's just going wrong. I feel awful. And some of you probably some mornings are just wishing to say, will you stop saying how are you feeling? Don't ask how we are feeling. Because feelings are not what are supposed to guide us and lead us in our walk with Christ. We should be asking and reminding people, what do you know, church? For instance, I feel alone. I feel alone in my home. I feel alone when I come here. But I know that God's word says he is never going to leave me nor forsake me. He is with me even through the fire and the storm. And therefore, I'm going to trust God's word and not what my heart feels. When I open the Word of God, sometimes it just looks like pages and just another book. And so, I don't know, you you say you have to be in the Word to be growing and, and growing stronger, but I don't feel like it. I would much rather watch that TV show. But here's the truth. We need to be reminding ourselves with the Word of God, governing our feelings, that every single time we open the Scriptures, God is speaking to us. Not once or twice, every single time. So if we're going to be a church that's growing and not slipping into complacency and not getting lazy in works, whatever it may be, we have to be a church that lets our knowledge of God's Word govern our feelings. Can I tell you something this morning that's not as confession? There's some mornings I don't feel like preaching. You're saying, what? There's some mornings that come here I don't feel like being. But guess what? Despite the fact that I feel that, that's not the truth. Because what gets you going and what allows you to keep persevering despite that complacency, that laziness, is reminding, I may not feel like coming to church on a Sunday morning at times, but I know that when I come, that the church is present, the Spirit of God is working, and even though I may not see it, God is building His kingdom in our midst. How many people have been in before we haven't felt like you want to keep following God? Yeah, yeah, stop. <laughs> Eric, stop. Stop trusting your feelings. Okay? The Psalms are full of that. Psalm 13. How long will you forget me, Lord? How long will you turn the other way? Bitterness is my closest friend. That's how he feels. How is it man? But I will trust In your unfailing love for you have been good you are good the knowledge has to govern our feelings and so that will keep us going God's grace uses that word to produce faith in us to keep us going to keep us going to keep us going not led by our feelings we need the right source of power we need to work out our salvation. We need to embrace trials and their divine purpose. We need to let God's word govern our feelings. Those are the ways in which we are strengthened. Those are the ways in which we grow. Bearing fruit in our own lives and going out. And the result of that in this passage is that they didn't just grow spiritually, but they grew numerically. Here's a question for you. Do you want to see Uncle Street Baptist Church grow? We all do. I'm excited to see how there are more kids than ever. I'm excited to see the opportunities that we have, but the only way we're gonna continue to grow, and they can say of us, that just in the case of this church in Acts, that when Elgin Street Baptists got together, they were strengthened in the faith and they grew numerically. How's that gonna happen? We gotta be strengthened. And one of the things that's gonna happen when we're strengthened is we're gonna grow numerically. How is that a guarantee? How is that a guarantee? Because the Spirit of God, if He's empowering us, if we're working according to His Word, if we're embracing the trials and being changed by them, if we're letting His Word govern our feelings, not growing into complacency because we don't feel something, we're going to be led into a missional life. We're going to be led into our community, into our workplaces, into our families. We are going to be led because that's God's will and God's Spirit has come to lead us into it. So we're going to do that. And the church will grow. And so some things to say about this missional growth. First of all, if the Spirit's leading us and empowering us, that means that our motives are going to be right. So he's not going to be about Elgin Street Baptist becoming the biggest Baptist church in our country. Or becoming a mega church. Or famous in our land. But rather our motive will be about the glory of Christ. Be about his kingdom about lost people becoming saved and transformed because we love them as God loves them because the Spirit is leading us into that. Furthermore, here's another thing. Our motive will be right. The one thing that comes with that is... And some people shoot me for this, and you can shoot me after I don't care. Who cares about the numbers? Notice what's not here in this passage. And then so many people... Were added to the faith. In this praise report, Luke is not mentioning how many. He's not saying, and then 500, and then 600, and 700. Too many times, churches are caught up in making goals for we want 700 people by this year. Here's an idea. Let Christ lead you in the life He's called you to, and then let Him build His church. That sound good? It could be three. It could be a hundred. But Christ would build his church. And too often we're caught up in numbers. You know, one church will say, Well, we had we had ten people come to Christ last week and we've got ten balloons over there. Amen. And then the church over there that's got two is going, man, hey, what? Man, we're doing something wrong we're the same gospel what's going on here and what does it lead to more numbers mean more success what does Christ defined as success you follow me I work through you I build my church what I act to your church I add to your church and we're thankful and we praise God so we can't be number oriented I, I said the first thing when I got here was I'm not concerned in having so many people join the church by a certain time. What I'm concerned about is the church becoming empowered by the Spirit to live out the gospel and let Christ build His church. Because He will. That's the promise. He will because as we go out and we're led by the Spirit, one of the things we're going to be doing is we're going to be speaking gospel-inspired speech. If we're gonna go out and people are are gonna be changed and transformed in the name of Christ, we gotta be going out and preaching the gospel. Speaking the truth. There's a lot of evangelism going on in our nation, it isn't evangelism. There's a lot of universalism. Christ died for everybody. He loves everybody. And churches everywhere are embracing it. That's not the gospel. I saw in a coffee mug once when I went into a place that God helps those who help themselves. Well, in that case, aren't we all in deep trouble? That's not the gospel. And so what's going to be effective and we're going to see missional transformation and growth is when the church is empowered by the Spirit to go out and speak the truth which the Spirit testifies to. The gospel. That means we're going to go out and we're going to preach my uncomfortable message. We're going to preach about sin. Sin, we don't want to hear about sin. I know God's love talk about God's blood I'm talking about sin talk about the blood of Christ well the blood of Christ is kind of outdated isn't it kind of creepy sacrifice stuff but our worthlessness in a, in, a, in a country that's more and more saying you you deserve the best you are worthy of the best the gospel says you don't deserve the best and you're not worthy of the best isn't that an uncomfortable message The gospel, and the beauty of it is, you don't deserve a thing except hell. And Christ comes and says, But I give you heaven. How are we going to go out and preach an uncomfortable message? So, the other day, I was saying this, speaking of our power and strength, the other day I gave my hair a cap that took about five minutes. Note to self, do not go after someone's getting a perm done. That was a bad time. And they asked me, they ask me, what are you doing this weekend? This weekend? Oh, you know, my parents are coming and friends are coming. Did I mention once that I was becoming ordained, that I was a Christian, and that I loved the Spirit Jesus Christ? No. Why? Because in that moment, fear. In that moment, Shame. In that moment, awkward conversation. Why am I being open with you before? Because this is a reality that people face. They don't want to talk. They say, I can't go and pray to that person. I can't go and minister to that person. I can't do it. I can't do it. Easy to be Christian in the church, isn't it? But out in the world, we just crumble sometimes. I crumble sometimes. I'm a hypocrite. Look at this. How are we going to go with boldness and not fear? And not be ashamed, and despite the opposition that comes, go out and speak the truth. One answer, the Spirit of God, empowering us. So it comes back to our source. When we're depending on Him. He will lead us. Yes, we fall, but He will continue to lead us. The next thing is our deeds. He'll transform us as we go through the trials, as we're working on our salvation, as we become fruitful. He transforms us and changes us. Why? Why sometimes? not ask us what the hope that we have in Christ. Why sometimes when you say, oh, you're a Christian, huh, uh, I didn't know that. I wouldn't have got that. Because our lives haven't been transformed the way the Spirit wants them. My own shortcoming, an example of that. But if the Spirit's doing this, empowering us. Empower He'll transform us. And when the Spirit could get to transform a person's life, they're going to stand out. I need that. I said this morning, these are basics, but they're things that I need to be reminded of that. And I think the church needs to be reminded of that. We need the Spirit of God. We need to work out our salvation. We need to embrace the child when they come. Understand their God-given purpose. We need to let God's Word govern our feelings. And as we do that, we'll be led out into missions. Church, if we ask the Spirit of God, despite the amount of times we fall, would you help us this year? This, This fall year, this winter year as we come up, If you help us, Lord, give us your strength, give us your power, help us work out our salvation like never before, help us embrace those trials like never before, help us govern our feelings with your word like never before, I tell you, because the word of God reveals it to us, that if we're sitting here next year, we can expect some new people. I'm not saying how many, but if we're walking in a spirit-filled life, we will see growth. We need to be strengthened, we need to grow. Let's pray for that. Pray we get these basics down. They're basics, but we need to understand them and grasp them. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that in this time, that you help us not forget these simple truths that we so easily lose sight of. That this life of fruitfulness, this life of mission, we cannot do in our own strength. We have works that we have to do. We have to understand your purposes and your ways. And so, Lord, we ask that you would empower us by your spirit. Lead us into mission life. Lead us into presenting the gospel with boldness, the truth with boldness. Help our lives with the example of the gospel on display. And Lord, we are thankful that as you empower us, that even as this church continues to carry on, that if we do this, you will cause us to grow spiritually, and you will cause us to grow numerically. And that is your will. And so we pray it in Christ's name. Amen.